CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor and Total Radio Net. And oh my gosh, I can't believe who I have on the line right now. We all remember him from Barney Miller as Barney Miller. I'm excited to welcome to the program Hal Linden. Hal, how are you? And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, how am I? I'm sleepy. It's early here. <laughs> You're I'm on the coast. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. It's sleepy, but yeah, uh, it, but a beautiful day, I'm sure, compared to Pittsburgh, where we have snow right now. Hal, now wh- snow. Yes, oh, that's the white stuff that falls, isn't it? I remember that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, Hal, uh, looking back, what would you say would be your fondest memory of being part of Barney Miller? What would you say? My fondest memory was being part of Barney Miller. It was a uh, uh, a repertory company feel. Uh, we 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 go into rehearsal on a on a, on a Monday, uh, open minded and trying everything, and uh, and the creativity of, of all the people. By the time we got a show uh, mounted, it was you know. Uh, it was a. You had a good feeling that you did something. Uh, that you created something. Uh, create. You know, uh, acting is not really a creative uh, endeavor. Right. Uh, it, it, because somebody else writes the words you say, and uh, a director tells you how to do it, and uh, uh, mostly you you execute other people's creativity. But when you start a uh, read a script on a Monday. And there are no uh, there are no boundaries. You can do it. You know, let your creativity, your creative juices flow. And you by by Tuesday afternoon, you've got a very interesting uh, a very interesting show. Uh, definitely, absolutely. That's, that's the, the, yeah. it's the, it was the, the creativity of the group that was that's most memorable. And and that's interesting because you had a comedy, yet there was still drama in it. So it brought both sides of the police. Well, we drama. never played yeah. it. We yeah. never played it particularly for you know we for comedic uh, uh, effect all the time. As a matter of fact, the the, the uh, if you remember, if you look at the show closely, the the regulars, the cops. Uh, we were never beyond, you know, larger than life. We were real cops, right? Exactly, trying to do our job. We 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 dealt with crazy people, but we were trying to do our 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 jobs as well as we could. And that became an acting job rather than a comedy job. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, to execute the 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 fantastic writing. You want to say anything about Barney Miller? It was the writing was was. Oh, it was. Great. Yeah. Uniformly great. Uniformly great. We never walked away from a show saying we'll do better next week. Every week was the best we could do. 
and the way it was shown and how it was filmed and how uh, each storyline really spoke to that time period was was groundbreaking. Hal, for sure. I mean, wow. I mean, the things. Well, those those, yeah. those those scripts were written out of the newspaper. They would open a newspaper, look through it, and find what was happening then and there in the world, and and write a, a, a an episode about it. Wow. Uh, very uh, very up to date, and. Watch them now. They're still, uh, they still have veracity. They still hold up today. Absolutely. And now, uh, just to tomorrow night, I'm excited because a show I really like is American Housewife on ABC. My family, I have a family of five kids and my wife. And what I love about this show is it really speaks to how parents deal with kids and how the normal everyday uh, atmosphere of family life. And it's a very great show, I believe. And you're going to be guest starring tomorrow night. You're excited, aren't you? Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, it's a, a, a bit of a stretch for me, but I play an old man. And uh, uh, having worked, I've worked with, with Diedrich before, so it was a kind of a reunion. We had done the Drew Carey show many, many years ago. Okay. And uh, uh, so it was a, a, a kind of a, a nice reunion. Because uh, my, my scenes were with Diedrich. Diedrich. And... Uh, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Exactly, and it's again, uh, uh, Katie tries to take the Christmas spirit out, so Dietrich says, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go to a uh, an assisted living home to make a visit, and you're Mr. Montez, and you you change things uh, for Dietrich in a way, not, uh, really not. Uh, you know, you know yeah. the, the world changed. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they were, they were, uh, uh, Sitcoms about families used to be all the sitcoms in the early days were about families. Father knows best, and uh, all those shows. Uh, but it was a, it was a plainer life, a simpler life. Uh, I'm afraid the world has gotten a bit sardonic and and edgy, and uh, uh, this show reflects it. Uh, it, it. It deals with the, with the world as as we know it today. Which isn't so sweet and and, and easy as it, as it used to be. As as your character in the show, and, and, yeah. this, and this episode reflects it. And are you uh, at the assisted living home as a an employee or uh, one of the uh, one of the people? No, no, one of the assisted livers. <laughs> <laughs> so and uh, so again, but, but with an attitude. I, I think the the point was again. Uh, we're not in in the uh, fabulous fifties anymore. This is a, a world that uh, uh, all those assisted living people have have dealt with and have and have had attitudes about. Uh, it's not as sweet and simple as, as life as the world used to be, and I'm and and. Look at the world; it's yeah. not as sweet and no, simple no, as it used no, to no. be. And how do you feel about that? Yourself in the uh, uh, right now, a little frightened. If you really want to know, okay. frightened not for me. I'm, you know, I'm in the twilight. What what goes after twilight <laughs> of my of my career? But 
uh, I, you know, four kids and eight grandchildren, and I, uh, I'm scared for them. Oh, wow. And uh, another thing is your singing. I understand you sing, and you're still perf- are you still performing, Hal, as well? I, I'm still, if somebody will give me a job, I'll perform. <laughs> uh, I'm, it, it, I've been doing a, a, a concert act since, oh, 1970. What is that? 45 years, something wow, like that. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, I still do it, you know, and I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Uh, right now I'm uh, preparing to do a play, so that's, uh, yeah, I'll be in, at the Old Globe Theater in San Diego, and uh, we go into rehearsal in January. And, um, and then a, an ind- independent picture after that, uh, so I'm not too sure when I'll get back on the stage singing, but I, uh, it's, it's still there and available. Oh, that's fantastic, Hal. Again, everyone needs to tune in tomorrow night, Tuesday night, to see Hal Linden as guest starring in American House, ABC's American Housewife, as Mr. Montez. I appreciate you, Hal, calling. You can Google him, check out all his information, his website and all that, right, Hal? You don't have any social media. You're not on Twitter or anything, are you? No. No, I, I email is about as, as modern as I've got. <laughs> well, Hal, thanks for taking the time. 8.30 p.m. tomorrow night, ABC, American Housewife. See Barney Miller return as Mr. Montez. Thanks, I, Hal. I, I yeah. do, uh, excuse me, I, I do have one. Uh, you did. Uh, I am on uh, uh, the, the website. I got a website. Does that count? Yes, tell me your website. What's your website, Hal? Uh, HalLinden.net. All right, doubtnet. All right, doubtnet, and they try to keep up. Uh, if anybody wants to know what I'm doing, it's on the website. Well, Hal, you're fantastic, man. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for giving me that uh, idea of uh, the experience on Barney Miller, and uh, best of luck. And I'm tuning in for sure Tuesday night. Take care. Okay, bye bye. Thanks. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com, and I'm so excited to welcome the program. Celebrity, Ty Pennington from Extreme Homemaker Home Edition. Ty, how are you? It's so great that you're on the show, and I'm excited to talk. I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Now, Ty, I'm just going to tell you, my wife and I were such huge fans of yours for that show. I mean, you you guys just, the stories are just absolutely amazing from what you did for so many years on that show. I just want to thank you for bringing that joy to our family and to see the giving and what you were able to do for so many years to help others. Yeah, I have to say, man, if you make a home edition really was a show that i um... I think really brought families together. I get comments from people all the time about how uh, literally, like, you know, it was one of those things that families sat down every Sunday and, and really watched. And, and, and honestly, like, um, I've been involved in a lot of different projects and a lot of different TV shows, but it's one of those ones that um, it's rare when you're involved in something that, that can be on television that actually does make a difference in somebody's life. And, 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 and it literally came from you know, people wanting to roll up their sleeves to make somebody's life better than, you know, better than it was. And um, and the fact that we were able to build a house in, you know, four days, but a custom house that really changed the house and the, and the, the direction a family's life was going, uh, just still to this day, like, I mean, what we really pulled off, to be honest with you, and I, like, it, it's hard to believe that we were able to do what we did. Kind yeah. Because um, a lot of people think it was just editing, but... If you looked at the local news, you saw that it wasn't editing. We actually were building a house literally four days, like, um, 
And what's interesting too is I was doing two at the same time. So the fact that you know we were going basically back and forth across the country while we're doing like these incredible feats was just it is it, just really uh, an incredible journey. Uh, but it uh, it took a lot of people. It took a lot of people who never really you never really saw their faces. You just saw the blue shirts they wear that uh, volunteered. And like we had painting crews that we we met. We had all kinds of different people that we worked with. That would work with us in one state. Next thing you know, they sort of turned into deadheads and just followed us around whatever state you're in to help build our houses. So we really began to have like this this community of like of do-gooders who would just like you know set up camp and uh, and help us you know help the next family, um, which was just awesome. I mean, you know, it's rare in this life that you get to experience that kind of good positive energy, um, especially in a television show. So uh, yeah, just incredible, and that's. Um, and we worked with a lot of charities and, and a lot of foundations along the way. And one of the cool things that uh, I'm doing now is I'm working with another uh, foundation, the, the Not Alone Foundation, um, that really helps families out that are dealing with um, kidney failure. And and anybody who's ever known anybody goes through that, that the, the the drain that it can put on a family, not only emotionally but financially, it just it's, it's horrible. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise money um, to that. Families can um, can get that assistance from yes. them, and and it works. They've been able to help like so many families, and um, and even this guy, uh, Mark Dodd, who's sort of running the the, the foundation, actually is, is suffering through kidney disease himself, and so he's just like, it's like literally you're dealing with it at the same time running the the organization, which is just mind blowing. So uh, so yeah, anything I can do to to help out, the fact that there's um, you know, I get an award at the same time, and uh, and Dion Warbucks going to be singing, so I get to do backup, which is going to be fantastic. Oh wow! So I'm doing that tomorrow night, um, which is a really cool thing uh, in Canton, Georgia, at uh, Northside Hospital. CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. Yeah, and it's really cool, Ty, when you talk about this, because first of all, we'll talk about bringing the awareness of people to get checked out. Uh, I talked to Dion yesterday about that, uh, and she talked about how important it is to bring awareness to people, not the foundations, not just to raise money for that reason, but also to get others to get themselves checked out, get to a doctor to make sure that they catch certain things, and also organ donation, two major things that are needed uh, to help yeah. uh, with to help uh, you know with this disease and stuff. I mean, hopefully one day we'll get to the point where you can order, you know, an organ, like, you know, from Amazon, and it'll be there the next day, and it's a match, but we're not quite there yet. So it's so important to, you know, be an organ donor, because, like, that that organ can really save somebody's life, and, and, and to get lucky enough when you find a match is so rare these days, and uh, and it's... Yeah, it's tough, man. It's, it's really tough, and that's why it is so important to not only get yourself checked out, but also, you know, donate organs so somebody else has, has a chance because um, there's, there's only so many good ones out there. Oh, and that's that's so true for sure. And you're being honored as well. So that's not not just singing backup, but you're also going to be honored uh, at the Diamond Awards, and that's got to feel great, right? You said about how you love working with foundations, oh, but to, to 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 get this honor, it's fantastic for you. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's it's 
really is, man. It really is. And and um and it, it, it's awesome when you can, you know, sort of use your platform to, to not only raise awareness, but get people to to want to do good things. And and with my background, that you know, it's just something instinctual that you 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 want to be part of. Um, and I've been blessed to be part of so many things that you you, you know that, that do make a difference. And and it takes it takes people wanting to do that. It takes people like wanting to be like, you know what? I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to um, and just think about like you know not only checking yourself out, but then um, about the other people. And once you've met someone who's has gone through it, then you realize how important it really is to to donate. Not only you know any funds you can, but also an organ after you're gone. Uh, you know that's that's I don't know. It's a big deal because even with the show, I've met so many people that um, that that's changed their life. You know, and and it's so interesting too when you meet a person who's received an organ, and then they meet the family member yeah. uh, because you know you can never really meet them, but. You figure out a way later in life. People have done that, where they would do the research and they, they they track someone down so they can give them a hug, knowing that their loved one saved their life. You know, and uh, and seeing that connection is unbelievable. It's really, it's it's an amazing thing to witness. So uh, yeah, it's a huge deal. And you're always excited to see uh, Dion Ward per- perform live, right, Ty? I'm sure that's a that's an awesome thing. Oh to, man, yeah. Awesome. And the fact that she doesn't know that I'm going to be doing a duet with her is going to be even more amazing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> so do you do you sing, Ty? Or are you kidding with me on that one? Do you sing? Uh, no, I I do I do, but you would never have heard everything I do. I'm I'm right there with like William Shatner, right there with you know David Hasselhoff. These albums that could have been huge that never made it to the limelight. Um. So yeah, so of course nobody at the award ceremony realizes that I'll be I'll be you know headlining, which is going to be just amazing. I can't wait to see the shock and, and horror in everyone's face. But um, no, I, I will not, I will not be playing. I will be enjoying Dionne Warwick for sure. That woman has a voice like an angel, unbelievable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And December 9th, again, 7 p.m. Eastern. So if you're in the Georgia area, you have to check it out for sure, Ty. Where's the best place that we can find out information on the on the Not Alone Foundation and different stuff like that? Where can we go for that so that people can still purchase tickets and, uh, and, and come? Yeah. Yeah, go to the and uh, and it'll be at Northside Hospital in Canton, Georgia, uh, Friday night at um, seven o'clock. Yeah, absolutely. And what's going on with you, Ty? What's news for our fans that are such huge fans of you from uh, the show? What What are you doing currently? What's going on with you? Well, I've been doing a bunch of things. Uh, you may have seen uh, Making Over Diners, uh, you know, which was really kind of fun, and, and of course you get to eat and sort of making over businesses across America. Um, and then this January, I'm really kicking it off uh, in a big way. Um, I'm teaming up with uh, a thing called the Bode, where we figured out a way to build basically a home, a structure, uh, a dwelling for under seven thousand dollars, which is like really affordable housing. But we're building twelve in Tanzania, where they really have wow. a, for like the hospitals and a village and, and, and the same place. And now, I've never, you know, tried to do anything like a like international version, so. Uh, yeah, we're doing that in January, trying to build 12 of these less than uh, a week. So, um, yeah, we're shooting for the stars. And building in Africa is going to be a lot more difficult than building in, in the States. So, uh, 
it'll be uh, it'll be a challenge, but um, I'm sort of stoked to see if we can pull it off. Fantastic, Ty. Best place we can follow you on Twitter and different places as well. Uh, information on you? Yeah, you know, uh, the real Ty Pennington uh, on Twitter, and of course my Instagram, the uh, Ty Pennington. So yeah, I'm out there all all the time. So yeah, it's it, it's awesome, man. I I, I never stop juggling cats. So um, so yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. All right, Ty. Well, thanks for calling, man. And again, you brought joy to our family, and you did such tremendous stuff. And you continue to do great stuff with the Not Alone Foundation and also talking about Africa. So I'll keep you in my prayers and uh, continue up the great work. Okay, Ty? Well, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, and also neilhaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome the program celebrity comedian Bill Bellamy. Bill, thanks for calling, and how are you? Hey, hey, Bill, uh, you know, it is what it is, you know, and I wanted to say uh, how much of a fan I was with you, and what do you think it started with? Did you think it started with MTV after comedy, like you started as a comedian, and then MTV's what took off your whole career? Absolutely. I think MTV was definitely a huge, huge uh, part of my explosion because it just put me in the middle of, uh, you know, pop culture, music, uh, uh, the explosion with uh, pop culture in the 90s was great. And I caught that wave, and then that led to movies and comedy and everything. Being honestly, man, MTV, I always give props to them because they made it work for me. Exactly. And you, you must have learned a lot, right? From doing VJing and doing all these different yeah. things, interviewing all these different people. You learned from these people, didn't you? And really took it to task once you decided, absolutely. hey, I'm going to start acting and stuff. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it was a fantastic time, you know, from interviewing, you know, people from Madonna to Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, and, you know, Boyce the Man. And, like everybody came up with me, so I feel like very, very blessed to, to be a part of that generation. And now, you know, staying relevant with new movies, new comedy specials, stuff like that, I think that really helped keep it. And they and they saw you. They saw you, Bill, as such a. Uh, uh, they saw you, Bill, as as basically this kind of uh, of icon in so many ways that on, on MTV. That once you started your acting career, it just took off because people loved you on MTV, right? I think that was really the big thing. Is they found you found you really interesting kind of guy, and then bam, you start acting, and then then you 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 put what your whole dream was with comedy and acting. Acting together, all to, in one thing, and all these different movies. Yeah, man, I'm really optimistic about the movie. We just had a premiere uh, here in LA, and uh, the feedback was insanely good. Everybody's laughing, everybody's having a good time, and that's what I want to do for people uh, during the holidays. You know, is like give them some place to escape to, to have fun, and think about love and relationships. So, the movie The Bounce Back is definitely the answer. Shamar Moore, you know, brings it home as the author of this book called The Mouth Back. And, um, thank you. And, uh, and, uh, and I bring all the funny in the world. Like, you're not going to believe. I think I you get 18 laughs per, per second that I'm on screen. Thank you. <laughs> Did you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. I hear you. I hear you. So, your character, tell us about your character. 18 laughs per second. 
18 laughs per second. That's a great one. We need to laugh some, Bill, for sure. And tell me about your character in the in the movie. Um, I play Terry Jackson. I am uh, I am Shamar Moore's manager. I am his agent. We're in the book business. He has a, a new book that he is out. And we're just trying to get to the top. It's, it's, you know, it's our, it's, a, it's in our rags to riches story. And, and one is that he divorced, came off the divorce, the bad divorce with his wife, and pretty much wrote this book about the bounce back, how to get back from a heartbreak, how to get back to the love that you truly want. This book becomes a huge success, and he becomes this relationship guru, but he doesn't have a relationship. <laughs> That's the comedy, like, dude, you can't talk about how to get a relationship and you don't have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So like, kind of, so you know how many people, that's like, that's like somebody dropping a book about a baby and never had a kid, like, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the story is that this author, you know, gets the success, becomes this expert speaker, but yet has no idea about relationships. So you as the agent, Bill, are like trying to get them all together and, and make them a star. But then people finally see that he really doesn't know love. And that's what he has to find. Right. Exactly. And in the nick of time, he ends up finding someone Absolutely, and it's it's it, and we need to think about those things, Bill. And you said you're making people laugh in this for sure, and that's what you love about being involved in these movies: is be that comedy relief at times when things get serious, right, Bill? You're the one that jumps in and makes it really, really funny. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Guaranteed money, guaranteed funny. I want everybody to go out and see the All right, well, fantastic, Bill. Best place we can find information on you, follow you and stuff. Where can we go? All right, thank you. All right, take, take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to a Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and NeilHaley.com, and also all the exciting places. I wanna, I'm excited to welcome her to my co-host, WPL Hall of Famer, UNLV Running Reb, I City League Hall of Famer, ESPN analyst, Coach Karen Hall. Coach, how are you? And I know you're really excited about our guest today. Yeah, Neil, I'm, I'm really well, thank you. We just had an amazing guest on, but uh, our guest at this moment, I'm extremely excited and thank her for her time already. But I want to welcome to our show Bernadette McGlade, Commissioner of the Atlantic 10 Conference. Commissioner McGlade, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I hope everything's well. You have some snow up there in Pittsburgh? Uh, we got the cold temps below 30. That's <laughs> <laughs> Just the cold temps so far. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about the S word coming soon. But, uh, Commissioner, uh, we know your time is valuable, but we want to get right into your background because what a background you do have. 
Can you sum it up for us in terms of how do you become from a student athlete at UNC Chapel Hill to commissioner? CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. Uh, one of the elite conferences in the country. Well, I guess if I knew the short answer to that, I would be really smart. Um, you know, in all honesty, when I graduated from UNC, I played ball there on scholarship, and I knew I really wanted to coach and had the good fortune to get hired at Georgia Tech as the head women's basketball coach. And then I eventually moved into administration. I worked um, there during the 96 Olympic Games and had a fabulous experience. And then was fortunate enough to be um, receive a call from John Swafford at the ACC, and he was creating a new position um, to really launch a, a huge commitment to women's basketball at the Atlantic Coast Conference. So I moved from Atlanta to Greensboro, North Carolina, and I worked at the ACC in a lot of different capacities for about 11 years. And, again, I was fortunate to um, receive a call from the Atlantic 10 when they were looking for a commissioner and was able to uh, be offered this position. And um, it's a, been a fabulous job for the last eight years. There's so much wow. that goes into uh, being a commissioner. Can you give us a, a little bit about skills, like leadership skills that, you know, one needs to really work on and acquire as they ascend to such a position? Well, I think probably the most important thing that I could say is that I, I didn't start out thinking I would be a commissioner. Um, you know, I started out taking jobs and positions as a head coach and as an assistant commissioner and then associate, and, and my real goal was to, you know, do a great job at whatever it is I was hired for and not to necessarily be always looking for the next step but to work hard and to be able to have some new initiatives and um, start some new programming and, it's amazing, um, you know, when you do focus on, on your current responsibilities and when you have the ability to be effective in carrying out those responsibilities for your schools and the people you work for, opportunities seem to um, open up and come your way. And that's what I found. When I um, was coaching at Georgia Tech, I didn't necessarily imagine that I would move into administration and oversee football and men's basketball, and then when I was doing that at Georgia Tech, I didn't necessarily plan on going to the ACC, but, you know, people see your work, and I, I would say that's probably the most important trait to take your current circumstances, your current job, and, and do the very best you can, and that will bring success in, in many cases. And I think, Commissioner, when you look at that success that you have had and how you got to where you are today, you, bet, you probably in your mindset said to yourself, I'm not going to allow people to tell me I can't do this. I think that you have to, to rise to a position like you're, that you have today. You had to have that, that, that idea that you're not going to take no for an answer. You're going to keep moving forward to where you feel your best position to be in, right? Yeah, I think that's very true, and I have to say that was probably 
um, the most um, true when I applied for my very first job because when um, I applied for the Georgia Tech head women's coaching job many, many, many years ago, um, I had more than one person and several people that I respected that basically said, you'll never get that job, don't even apply for it. And wow. that was that was a position that launched my career at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and from that young age, uh, Commissioner, once you got that job, then your your process was, well, I have to have success in this and then move forward. But leaving coaching and going into more of that administration role, was that hard for you? Because I'm sure you really enjoyed coaching. It was. It was very hard to me. And I had a unique situation um, prior to stepping away from coaching. Homer Rice, um, Dr. Homer Rice is, quite frankly, a legend in the field of intercollegiate athletics and he has been a um, phenomenal leader, a former um, NFL football coach as well as athletic director at UNC, Georgia Tech, many places. And he actually approached me um, in 85 um, about um, taking on the administrative responsibilities and overseeing football and men's basketball. And, and I felt at that point in time I didn't have enough experience and I wasn't as confident. And so I, I said no. I, I was fortunate mm. because two years later that opportunity came around again. There was an mm. opening, and Dr. Rice asked me, you know, would I consider moving into full-time administration and overseeing all of our sports programs, which included football and men's basketball. And at that point I was doing a dual duty. I was the head women's coach, but I was also overseeing all the women's sports. And, you know, I felt like I wasn't being – as successful as, or as as good for both areas. And I needed to decide a course, either coaching or administration. And I was only 29 at the time. And quite frankly, in the late 80s, I thought, you know what, work administratively under Dr. Rice, have the opportunity to oversee football. It would be a great professional resume builder. And if right. I didn't like it, I felt like I was young enough that I could just go back to coaching if I so chose to, um, which obviously I never did. So role modeling is so huge because you were under someone who, while you were engaged in doing these positions, could sort of speak, show you how to do it the right way. And I know at many conventions, many people talk about finding a role model. So what would you advise our listeners in terms of as we move up our careers and um, finding role models? What would you advise? I would say that you need to um, do your homework, and if there are um, programs that have just high ethical standards that they do, they they exemplify the the goals and the values that you have and or individuals that you really admire, you think that they are exceptional at their job, they're great professionals, um, they have great leadership skills, find out where those people are and then seek to try to work under them or work with them or have the opportunity to get introduced or associated with them. Um, You know, when I wanted to be a coach, I was playing basketball at UNC Chapel Hill. And as you know, Karen, you're a former coach and a former player. In Mm -hmm. in the summertime, you go and you work basketball camps. And so what I did as as a sophomore and junior in college, I looked around to the coaches that I admired and 
Um, Chris Weller was at the University of Maryland, and I thought she was an exceptional coach, and Kathy Andrewsy was coaching at the time. And so I went and I worked those camps just so that I could see how those coaches ran their programs and and how they structured their time. And then I continued to do it when I got out of um, college. And, you know, people that I admire, if I didn't work with them, my first year that I took this job as a commissioner, I went and visited three other commissioners at conference offices. Mm. I really admire their work. And I just wanted to talk the business with them and visit with them. And that was extremely helpful. Now, being a commissioner, that's a great point. You said you wanted to talk to find out, just like you learned how to become a coach. You said, okay, I'm going to look at the best people I feel that could, that I could emulate in certain ways. When you're now talking to people to be a possible commissioner and learning from the ones that you feel are pretty successful in what they do, what did you learn from them that are those uh, necessary qualities to be successful in this job? Well, what they did was they reassured me um, of things that I felt that I knew and understood and leadership qualities that, that I felt that I had. They, re- they reassured me, gave me confidence to know that I was basically on the right track and that I had developed to a pretty high level professionally. Um, you know, in talking with the commissioners the first year that I was in this job for the Atlantic 10, you know, reinforced to me that, you know, this is a position it, where you have to be thoughtful, you have to understand your members, um, take the time to think about decisions, really analyze the pros and the cons. Um, you know, it's a, you're dealing with many institutions. We have 14 members, so yeah. you, you don't want to make quick decisions, um, and you want to remember that decisions that you make as a commissioner, they set a precedent. So if it impacts one institution, very likely your other 13 institutions are going to want the same type of decision. So yeah. that was extremely helpful to me in, the, in my early days of, um, you know, understanding that it's also communication is so critically important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk internally. I have a staff of great staff of 13 full-time um, employees here in the office. Wow. We'll mm-hmm. talk a lot about championships or policies and procedures, but you, we have to always remind ourselves that now we have to communicate it to 14 schools who all have, you know, 20 plus coaches. So that was a really important lesson. You know, Neil, I've had the opportunity to see uh, Commissioner McGlade in action in terms of championships. I've had opportunities to work the Atlantic 10 uh, Women's Basketball Championships. But Commissioner McGlade, what is it on a day-to-day to walk in those shoes of the commissioner? I'm sure, like, as a coach, no day, no two days are the same. So can you talk about your days as commissioner and what that is like? Um, yeah, I would say that I spend um, a lot of time um, really working and, and being very attentive to the membership. As you know, conference realignment over the last five years has yes. been somewhat of a carousel, and it's been a really, um, a, you know, fast-paced, changing environment as far as conference membership. So. I spend a lot of time on that. I spend a lot of time on our finances and our, our fiscal management. I spend time on our um, relationships with our media partners. 
and the relationship that we have with all of our presidents at our 14 member institutions. And right. the reason I can spend the time with those on those high level issues is because I really have a great staff. I have a group of individuals um, that run our, you know, um, Drew Dickerson is here with me right now on this call that runs our communications, sports media um, department. I have another group in championships with Debbie Richardson and Jay DeFrugio. Mm -hmm. I have another group with our NCAA compliance and Jill Redmond. And so my staff at the office can really, they run their areas very well, which allows me to focus on big picture, long range strategic planning, things that could affect the league perhaps two, three years from now. Yeah. Now, Commissioner, I, I start thinking about the Atlantic 10. I know it developed from the Eastern 8. I'm going back to my fan base of, of Duquesne basketball and Pitt and the Eastern 8, bringing back the days to then the Atlantic 10. Now, when you look at the way conference realignment, especially we talk about the Atlantic 10 versus the, the, the very power conferences, where do you think you guys have to go? Again, it's tough, you know, because some of these universities have more money, uh, more resources, different things to compete with those power conferences and, and keep you guys in that kind of level when you look at all sports. Well, the one thing that, that we did when I first took this job, we, we did our first Atlantic 10 strategic plan, and we actually articulated and we – basically looked in the mirror and we knew that we're a basketball-centric conference. And, and I yep. think knowing who you are and knowing what your strength is is critically important. So we kind of cornered that term as a basketball-centric league. And at that point, mm -hmm. we were perhaps – we were the strongest basketball-centric league. And one of the um, ones that I, I feel were kind of in this niche pocket because – CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. We weren't, as you just mentioned, one of the Autonomy 5 conferences, the five biggest leagues, and we weren't in that category of conferences that also sponsored football. So we have to remain extremely relevant in our academic integrity, graduating our student athletes, um, mm -hmm. putting successful citizens out into the community, and staying nationally relevant in the sport of men's basketball, which drives a major part of our revenue. Um, mm -hmm. Within the last eight years, obviously that's changed a little bit because now with the realignment and the um, separation of the Catholic five schools that are now the Big East right. Conference. They also yeah. are a a basketball-centric only conference. So, yeah. you know, both of us are in that category where we, we don't have football, but yet we're extremely successful and relevant nationally in men's basketball and women's basketball to an extent. And that's a that's an area that we've got to protect. We have to protect right. graduating our student athletes and, you know, being able to put multiple teams in the NCAA championship. Can you, can you go into a little bit more detail about the A-10 men's basketball championships? 
uh, mainly in particular coming up in, in the spring here in Pittsburgh. So can you kind of take us there in terms of HM and Yeah, basketball? we're excited. We're going to be in Pittsburgh, obviously, at PPG Paints Arena, you know, for the men's championship, which is going to be here before we know it. It's March 8th yeah. through the 12th. And, you know, Pittsburgh prides itself on being the city of champions, and we know that well with having Duquesne there as a conference member. They have a brand-new athletic director there, Dave Harper. They just <laughs> inaugurated their new president, Dr. Ken Gormley. They've got a lot of great energy and synergy happening at that institution. And the fact that we are bringing our men's basketball championship, which is our crown jewel, to Pittsburgh is really fabulous. Um, we've also been in town before. We were there last year with our soccer championship. Um, we've been there. We actually had our – we're going to have our big joint meeting there this January in 2017. Um, so we'll have our student-athlete advisory board there, all of our ADs, all of our faculty reps and senior women's administrators. So, you know, we will have a lot of exposure, and and we've enjoyed <laughs> you know, the the open arms and, and being welcomed in the City of Champions. That's, that is awesome and exciting for the A-10 and for our City of Pittsburgh. It, it definitely is. And, and the conference used to championships used to usually stay in the same city every year, right? When did you decide to move it from different venues? Well, we were um, – we actually – at one point there was a championship in Pittsburgh one year. We were have been in Philly. We've been in Atlantic City. Um, when we moved the um, A-10 Men's Championship to Barclays, we signed a five-year um, contract with them. So we were, had been in New York the last four years. And then a year ago, after a lot of the realignment, I worked closely with John Swafford, who was my former boss at the ACC. And the ACC really was interested in getting in New York. They've got Syracuse as a member and, um, gosh, Louisville. And, and so they, they – um, Pittsburgh, obviously, and so they wanted to get into New York. So we actually did a three-way three negotiation between Barclays, the ACC, and the Atlantic 10. And we basically traded out our last year in Barclays for a three-year extension. And so wow. we're going to be in Pittsburgh this year in 17. We will be in Washington, D.C. in 2018. And then we're back in Barclays Center in New York for three more years until 2021. So it's an exciting time, and our fans are excited because um, a lot of our fans can travel into Pittsburgh. It's a great location. Mm. Yes. So with so much excitement, so where does the ACC A10 excuse me, go from here? I mean, you got all this basketball. I mean, I'm all fired up just listening to that. But where do you take, where do you take all that and move the A10 towards? Well, what we're trying to do is to better leverage, obviously, with our championship. You know, like right now, fans can get our tickets on Ticketmaster, um, but we're trying to leverage it. We just did a recent deal with Facebook Live, where we're the first conference to do a deal with them, and we have 10 men's basketball games. You know, getting into social media and really being able to leverage it and use it in the way that um, – basically all of us in, in society are, are using. And it's not just the millennials. It's not just young people. It's everyone. I mean, look at our new president-elect and how much, you know, Twitter is a factor in, in everything that he's doing. So we're trying to be very savvy. We're trying mm -hmm. to engage our fans in the in-game in -game experience. 
We're trying to enhance what we do with technology. And um, we want to continue to do these things because we think they enhance what our membership is doing um, on their individual campuses. Yeah, and that's a great point. And doing a Facebook Live means because lots of people are not streaming games per se, watching it on television. They're streaming it on different devices, but the difference in a Facebook Live is a different, different types of atmosphere, right, uh, where you're going to get to see certain things. So how are you setting up these Facebook Lives? Are they going to be where our announcers, or is it going to be more just showing the, the, the pageantry of what's happening? Actually, we do have these games are being produced. They're actually being aired on some of our cable outlets. And what Facebook Live has allowed us to do is they have allowed us to be able to um, stream, digitally distribute that exact feed so that the oh, wow. viewer on Facebook is actually getting to see the real-life in-arena experience, and mm. they're, they're getting to be able to um, touch and feel it. We've, we've only had two games so far. The rest of our games are in January and February. But with the two games that um, have been – um, distributed so far on Facebook Live, believe it or not, but we had over a million um, new, um, what do you call them, Drew, um, touches, viewers yeah. in just two oh, games, wow. which is phenomenal when you think about it. And and what happens, Facebook Live, they automatically remind and notify the alums, the fans of those teams, like Jeez. within an hour of the game tipping off. And That's tremendous. It becomes, yeah, it becomes really valuable because I know myself sometimes I'm at home and I'm like, oh, I forgot there was a game on at 7 o'clock where, you know, there's automatic reminders going through social media yes. and the amounts of new clicks that we received were simply, they were quite staggering. That video is becoming the wave of the future on Facebook. Facebook is becoming uh, unbelievable, and they're taking any types of posts involving video and giving them an extra, extra boost even before sponsoring anything. So it's amazing what Facebook is doing and how they're taking the video and that nothing's better than live. And if you can stream it live and then still be on your social media and make comments and get engaged with other people watching the same game, that changes it, Commissioner. It changes the way you watch a game. It really does. And, and what we're learning, and we've seen it even with pro sports, is that's what, that's what fans want. That's what the consumer wants yeah. right now. All of us are multitasking, and we want to we be engaged at a higher level. And, and so we're trying to service and sort of over-serve our fan base and our alumni base. Great point. So I, I have one for you, a little shift, um, and perhaps you can talk about it because I know that uh, you were named uh, 2014 Game Changer by the Sports Business Journal. So how does one become a game changer? And, and you've just told us a lot about how that happens because you're making so much, so many progresses with the A10. But what does that mean to you, becoming a uh, sports journal, sports business journal game changer? Well, it was a tremendous honor, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I don't know how it happens. I know when I opened up that letter back in the summer of 2014, and it basically, you know, informed me that I had been selected, I mean, I was taken aback. It's a um, prestigious 
uh, recognition that I don't take lightly, and I appreciated it greatly. The Sports Business Journal, as you know, is kind of the, the be-all and end-all right now in the industry of intercollegiate and professional sports. They right. select um, um, about 25 people, and, you know, to be listed with some of the unbelievable professionals in, in all the, you know, professional sports and international Olympic committees, et cetera, um, it was quite an honor. So it was a, a fabulous honor and something that I've appreciated and, you know, something that, you know, as I mentor other women in the business, you know, try to share with them that, again, when you really work hard and, and you know, pay attention to what is your primary responsibilities, again, there sometimes wonderful um, opportunities are opened up for you. Incredible. All right. Well, let's see. That's that's tremendous. And and I think uh, any other new developments that you can announce right now, uh, especially I guess for our Pittsburgh fans, we talked about again the tournament coming here. But where can people purchase tickets? And they can go ahead now and uh, pick up mm -hmm. tickets for the the conference tournament and learn about more about what's going to happen, the experience of the whole weekend. Yeah, tickets are on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com. Um, you can also get tickets right there at Duquesne's ticket office if you wanted to be in their section. They have some great seats that are blocked off for them. And the championship will begin on Wednesday night, March 8th, and it will culminate with our championship game on the 12th, which is Selection Sunday. Great mm. time slot. We tip at 12.30 on Sunday afternoon. Mm. And throughout the tournament, again, I know that the sports fans in the city of uh, Pittsburgh love their sports. Um, and mm. we have um, phenomenal – we do promotions, we do giveaways. There's all kinds of battle of the bands that go on all week. As, and when you're in arena, you know, there's all these social media content type, um, you know, contests that people have the chance to win – you know, we, we do a uh, – last year was our 40th anniversary, so we did a $40,000 half-court um, shooting contest. And um, Wednesday night is actually our um, Atlantic 10 um, community appreciation night. So we're going to – 